You're listening to a podcast from the Trinity Longroom Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. Thanks everybody for the uh, invitation to speak and congratulations on the success of the event until now at least. Um, I think it was Connor who told the librarians not to, uh, not to listen when he mentioned burning vellum and uh, colleagues of mine are worried about me because I have a kind of problem with fire. Uh, it's a, a, an issue that keeps coming up. Um, I'm having difficulty getting past this project called Beyond 2022 that um, began actually from this podium about five years ago to reconstruct the Public Record Office of Ireland. That's the four courts of place, Public Record Office slightly further to the, to the left. Uh, our centenary uh, of that event being uh, last summer when we launched the, uh, the virtual record treasury of Ireland. So I want to discuss um, not the burning, not the event so much, but how we did the reconstruction and what potential that offers for further reimagining <clears throat> of digital materials uh, in, in, in this uh, uh, age that we're living in. Uh, and I'll start with the virtual model that uh, Jenny mentioned. This is the treasury itself uh, uh, after the fire of 1922. This was where the records of the Irish state were held, uh, dating back to the Middle Ages, uh, on the ironwork shelving built in the late 19th century. Uh, and after the disaster at the start of the Civil War, the entire collection was uh, consumed in flames, pretty much, uh, including the collection that I'm interested in today uh, as, a, as a, a, a thing around which we can place some thoughts, the Christchurch Deeds, uh, which are the oldest collection uh, of the Public Record Office of Ireland, um, uh, going back to the late 12th century, 1174. Now, I'm speaking knowing that the Christchurch Deeds have an expert, uh, far more expert than I, and he's sitting in the room over there, and my title has plagiarised from him, so that's Dr Stuart Kinsler. So if there are questions afterwards, I'll be able to divert them to the fifth row. Um, and what Stuart did for us uh, collaborating in the Beyond 2022 project was provide a very early, very clear example of uh, a model for reconstruction where we could work out in precise detail down to you know, very granular deed by deed, item by item uh, level in this particular case, what was in the Public Record Office of Ireland, and then relate that information to a series of uh, materials in multiple different repositories that could serve as uh, surrogates or, or replacements, uh, however you want to think about it. That's an abstract thing to say. It's, it's like one nice way to conceptualize it is through the virtual model that we created for the centenary last year. This is the same space that you just saw as a kind of skeleton of ironwork, the record treasury where the, the um, archives were held. And you can do this live. Uh, uh, right now it's live on the website. This is the interior of that space. Looking up onto the fourth floor, and I'm circling there if you can see it, where the Christchurch deeds themselves were held on the fourth floor. This is a little trick we have where the whole archive opens up like a kind of doll's house and you can click again onto the fourth floor and you're brought to the bay where we know those records were held. You can see here Christchurch deeds. And for the centenary, we, we put a hundred treasures back onto the bays and shelves. And in this case, when you click on the Christchurch deeds bay, you have to wait a minute. My internet was slow last night when I recorded this, but uh, AAAF will deliver you a surrogate. It's a very special surrogate in this case. It was a lantern slide made in the 
1890s, I think, by the uh, Royal Society of Antiquaries. Um, so it's like digitization 130 years ago. Uh, the original now gone, but that was the closest that we would get back to a parchment uh, um, manuscript witness from before the fire. But what Stuart also did was show us how that one item links to a much greater collection. And we have a, an acronym for this. I actually only invented this acronym quite recently, but I think you'll remember it. It's ALARM, uh, which stands for Archival Loss and Recovery Model. It, what, what it's basically seeking to do is have the reconstructed, the thing to be reconstructed on this side, that's what has been lost, and the things which we are using to do the reconstruction on the, this side of the board, that's the recovery. And on both sides, the archival organization, the archival arrangement is fully respected. Uh, there's a lot of work in reconstructing uh, the lost archival arrangement. And one bit of feedback we got after the centenary was often that meant that we're many rabbit holes without any rabbits in them. <laughs> but on the other hand, you never know when you're going to find rabbits coming out of a hat and uh, you can place them back in the hole. And that's, that's what the, the principle of this was. So this is it, in a, a sort of an abstract schema for reconstruction, archival loss and recovery model. And it underpinned everything we did, including that virtual model uh, that I just showed you a moment ago. The, uh, a lot of the information for the recovery came from this uh, book, uh, which we've kind of made famous again, published three years before the fire, uh, a guide to the records of the Public Record Office. Herbert Wood was the author. And I'm going to be coming back to him in a moment, so keep your eyes on his moustaches. Uh, but with Herbert Wood's archival catalogue and then more, more in-depth um, uh, appendices to the reports of the deputy keeper or other catalogues from the earlier 19th century that survive, we could build a very full picture of what had been lost uh, in the fire itself. So continuing with this example of the Christchurch deeds, this is, again, the work of Stuart to uh, create a new catalogue with standardised uh, spellings uh, as a curated collection. Again, this is all live and searchable. <clears throat> but what I really want you to focus on is the, the reconstruction hierarchy. We're now in the Public Record Office of Ireland as a modern archival hierarchy. And the first 400 or so deeds from that collection have all been itemised. The system has now clicked on the first one, very early deed, involving Strongbow, early conqueror, and the materials through which we can replace what has been lost are given as interlinked information, including the same Antiquaries lantern slide I had a minute ago, but also in this case, a full Latin transcription from a different archive, the RCB library, Registrum Novum, was, they scanned that for us, and the text here has been uh, uh, delivered again in IIIF, this is Latin text now, so unless you have these two things together, you're reliant on quite a terse uh, English language calendar. And additionally, uh, we pass this text through Transcribus to make it a searchable uh, text layer. So underneath this, uh, 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 the, the, the words are uh, searchable. So things that mightn't be captured at the me metadata layer will uh, come up in the system. Okay, I've thrown a lot at you in the last few minutes, but I think you get both what we were seeking to achieve and the fact that it was actually achievable, because these were things that were not obviously true when I told people about what we were planning maybe five years ago. And this has been done at scale. And I think what's 
nice to start thinking about now is where else are there important collections of material that can be fitted into the same system relatively pragmatically. One of these collections, and here I feel a bit like it's Dragon's Den and I'm making a pitch to Laura and Jenny because this has not yet been digitized, unlike all you lucky people who have had your digital materials uh, ready for you already. I've been talking about this for a few years and I have yet to get my... Uh, uh, it's on the list. Anyway. It's on the list now. MS-1207. So this is a collection of deeds, uh, several hundred strong, beginning in the 13th century and running past the medieval period and into the early uh, modern era. It has in the past received quite a lot of attention uh, from the early catalogers and listers. And I'm very grateful to Estelle for helping me uh, work this through. The phrase old deeds isn't quite accurate. This uh, description from the Monk Mason Trinity catalogue is actually a little bit more um, helpful because the collection does include maybe not royal charters, but certainly many English chancery documents, letters patent. Uh, it includes um, uh, lots of conveyancing information. It also includes wills and inventories uh, and uh, uh, rent rolls for the city of Dublin and so on. So it's, it's quite a diverse collection. It's not as dull maybe as it seems at the first glance. Uh, in that sense, the, the catalogues that have been created in print uh, have uh, misled people. Um, seems to have come to Trinity through uh, Stern. It, the best description is the Lyons catalogue. Lyons, in his uh, uh, quite detailed um, summary of the contents, lists the big families, the Ashburns, the Passivons, the Means family, who I did a little bit of work on in the past, who give their name to Rathmines. And then the Staneyhursts, Staneyhurst, very famous in the 16th century, but they're a new family in Dublin in the early 15th century, and their deeds are uh, suddenly start appearing in this collection from af after about 1400. So it's an important, rich, extensive collection, and very unusual to have for uh, uh, this period, this scale of original material. That's the difference. The Christchurch deeds may be greater in number, and we have transcriptions of them, but this has original content. We can start thinking about this as a source for paleography, for diplomatics, uh, for the teaching of medieval studies, and so on. As I say, it has got quite a lot of attention from uh, uh, Lyons. This is a Westrup, a famous antiquary, who did uh, um, an index to the collection. And then the way most people know it is through this series of publications by uh, Smiley, the librarian, um, uh, librarian of Trinity College from 1914. Um, I, I think he's famous mostly as a kind of papyrus and uh, Greek. Uh, so what on earth was he doing looking at these very dull deeds from late medieval Dublin? So I, I may have an answer to that in a minute. But the, the, these came out in Hermitina from 1945 and on. Uh, just past his death in 1948. Now, Smiley, uh, my tiny bit of research on him revealed uh, something about why he might have been interested. And I'm emphasizing this to show that it's not a completely arbitrary link I'm trying to make between Trinity's deeds and the Christchurch deeds. He says in the very first paragraph of the catalogue that he's noting the similarity between these deeds and the deeds in the Deputy Keeper of the Public Records reports 23rd and 24th. Now, not very meaningful unless you know more about this, 
But our way into the Christchurch deeds, the originals having been lost, are those appendices to the deputy keeper's reports. That's how most people have used that Christchurch collection because a man called McHenry, who worked at the Public Record Office in the late 19th century, produced a catalogue of the Christchurch deeds. And Smiley, in other words, here is making a connection between the surviving originals after the fire. He's not explicit about that's why they've appeared, but he is making that intellectual link between Trinity's surviving original collection and the lost materials that are otherwise only accessible through uh, these um, tourist English language calendars. And there's a little bit more when we poke into it. Just to frighten you a little bit, I just wanted to see what would happen if I took Smiley's calendar and played with it. Uh, I OCR'd a scanned version of it, and I asked uh, uh, Sam Altman, is that the guy's name who lost his job last week and got it back again at the weekend? I just said, if you take that OCR and I say, give me the same thing with a title, a date, the full text, and then please index everybody in it in the format, surname, forename, what will happen? And this is live, what's happening last night. It, it just took, you know, a few seconds. Um, I'm just showing you that because I think we can be quite pragmatic about how we think about curating the data. If the impediment for a lot of this work in the past was how long it would take to move things from one system to another, there are new affordances that would let us think about at least getting a first draft of manipulable content that we could then bring up to a different kind of standard. Um, so I'll leave, I'll leave Smiley there, frightened that this is what's happened to his catalogue. Yeah, when I was looking at him in a little bit more detail, it turns out that as well as being uh, the librarian from 1914, apparently he didn't do much as librarian. Uh, he was mostly doing his, his Greek studies. Um, but he was also the worshipful master of the Masonic Lodge, the Lodge of Research. So he was a Freemason. And a lot of the Public Record Office of Ireland staff were Masons, uh, including uh, these two. <laughs> Yes, that's a good show. Yes, my these people. So Herbert Wood, the author of that catalogue from 1919, was a mason. Uh, Herbert Wood writes a kind of praising letter for another assistant deputy keeper of the Public Record Office of Ireland, uh, this man here, who's in his Trinity Academicals. He got a Lit D from this university. Uh, he's there at the top called Brother Henry Twists, but we know him better as Henry Berry who uh, did extensive work on the statutes of Ireland that were destroyed in the fire and on guild records. And I think the interesting guild records on masonry is something that uh, could be unpicked further in terms of the historiography. There's something going on in all this. There's Barry. Well, what of the collection itself? I have only a few digitized images. We have to hope for more in the future. I hinted at its variety and richness. Um, this is a typical quite early, 13, uh, it's late 13th century, but early in the collection uh, record from 1300 uh, conveyancing uh, deeds. So that's sort of the classic deed that you'd expect in the collection. But in terms of the more unexpected things that are there, um, I think it's very good for the social history and position of women, non-aristocratic women. There are several wills of which this one is quite well known, the will of Juliana de Means from that family, the Rathmines family. Um, uh, which gives uh, her um, uh, benefactions in the case of her death. The will is dated 1348. Did she know what was coming? That's the year of the Black Death arriving in Dublin, isn't it? Thereabouts. This is a beautiful engrossment um, from the 15th century. Uh, uh, Henry IV's reign. 
uh, given at Drogheda. I, I encountered this because a few years ago I was reconstructing the Irish chancery records and so we were looking for engrossments. All the chancery rolls were destroyed in the fire, but there are kind of the outgoing posts of chancery in various repositories. Turns out on inspection, although it looks like a chancery letter, it isn't. And that's why they kind of, there's value in this as a paleographical and diplomatic exercise. Uh, this is in fact produced by the King's Bench, not the chancery in Ireland, but it has many of the features of a chancery letter. And it has a kind of odd ornamental H, which is quite spectacular, but has been shoved into the corner. They're usually better as draftsmen and leaving space for these ornamentals. This is a, another chancery letter from 1479, this one referring to Juliana Passavant. It's one of the early occurrences of English in mostly Latin texts, uh, describing her as a gentlewoman. It's the underlined section there. Uh, another section in English, uh, a, a rental of Richard Stanihurst, not the famous Richard Stanihurst, the Dubliner, but an earlier, about three or four generations earlier, late 15th century rental, uh, in quite bad condition, but um, Smiley has a full transcription of it available. Um, uh, and I wonder, was the manuscript gold? That might be something that we could look at more closely. Uh, uh, with further attention being brought onto this collection. Um, but this uh, takes us right into the streetscape of Dublin, showing Stanihurst's properties. And the two I picked out there might be familiar, Crook Street and the Fish Ambles, uh, Fish Ambles Street. Okay, I have about one minute left, I've been told by Jenny. So what I want to say is the Virtual Record Treasury of Ireland, what you're used to looking at, and it's the same probably with the Virtual Trinity, is the front end. And you don't necessarily think of all that lies beneath. But we have created a system that makes it relatively easy to bring uh, materials uh, into a much more accessible format. The scanning, which uh, of course depends on conservation and uh, the, the suitability and so on, is often not the hardest part to plan for. It's the metadata curation, the intellectual engagement, and so on. But there are ways now that we can use, I think, legacy material and bring a huge amount of richness to just the, the manuscript uh, using existing materials. In other words, trying to build on the, the, the learning of, of previous generations, in fact, in this case, going back several centuries and adding it to the manuscript content. And I, in my title, refer to meta collection. If you can give me one more minute, I'll make the point briefly. The Trinity um, old deeds, I'm trying to say, are important and were recognised as being important because they filled a gap left in the record treasury by the loss of the Christchurch deeds. They're also, I've been trying to say, important in their own right because of their richness and uh, intellectual value and potential as a teaching resource. But at the level of their textual content, their documentary format, uh, their, um, uh, their significance, and our relationship is very closely aligned with other collections that are surviving in this city and elsewhere in late medieval deeds collections, which have never been brought together. But at some level, whether it's the names that are in the documents or their, uh, their formats that are, are um, archivally connected, in this case, these are all royal secretariat productions at the National Library of Ireland, the National Archives of Ireland. In this case, this is a set of deeds in the Public Record Office Northern Ireland that are currently being conserved, that are known as the Kilmainham Papers. They relate to Kilmainham in County Dublin, D430. I 
a kind of a wonder are these related because there's a lot of Kilmainham in the, the uh, deeds uh, up in the Trinity Library. Um, or whether it's because the problem of how to bring these online is cognate. There are other institutions such as the Royal Irish Academy that have huge collections relating to guilds. Again, Berry was interested in these papers, the guilds of St. Anne in the Royal Irish Academy. Um, the Royal Irish Academy papers have an unpublished catalogue. This is it in TypeScript, produced by, of all people, Ludwig Bieler, who's the Hiberno-Latinist that many of you will know for other reasons, but he produced a very, very extensive catalogue of this material in the 1940s that has never seen the light of day. What I've been saying is there's a common problem and a common opportunity, and there is a place. I'm inspired a little bit by the Parthenon uh, marbles. Maybe I'll be rebuffed like the Greek Prime Minister, but there's a place, a little niche for these materials on the virtual shelves if we can uh, put a good plan in place to get this material together. Thank you very much.